shipping containers. Who would have thought that you could turn them into public buildings? Okay, taking shipping containers into mobile showrooms, franchise pop-ups, event spaces, eco-friendly homes. That's what we're talking about. Who would have thought of this? I'll tell you who. Paul Galvin. Paul is the chairman and CEO of SG Blocks. He's a premier designer, innovator, fabricator. He takes container-based structures and turns them into buildings, 10 stories tall. Okay? That's what they do. It's all the rave being used by big brands, Mini Cooper, Taco Bell, Marriott, Starbucks, and lots of people, even the military, are using these structures. So I wanted to get into this guy. They just went public in June of 2017, and I want to know more about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and who the hell is buying this stuff. Welcome, Paul. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, first question, congratulations on ringing the bell. That's got to be a nice experience, right? Oh, we had a, a wonderful day. Um, our, our friends over at NASDAQ took very good care of us, and it was really a joyful, uh, memorable day. It's, it's quite the production. You know, I've done it three times, a couple of times on NASDAQ, uh, actually more than three times, a couple of times on uh, New York Stock Exchange. I just remembered it's been four times. But um, it, it's, it's, a, it's just... Gosh, it just makes you feel good, doesn't it? Yeah, such a spirit of uh, optimism and uh, American ingenuity and creativity and uh, everything we we love about business and the economy intersecting in an exciting place. So I think you just described your company, quite frankly. I mean, I, you're making buildings and pop-ups and homes and everything from something that most people see on the side of the highway or out by the tracks or out by the docks. How did you even come up with this idea, Paul? Well, um, there's a couple of fellas in our company from the very beginning, David Cross and Steve Armstrong. And they originally um, collaborated on a container house in Charleston, South Carolina, and were introduced to me shortly thereafter. And it did not take me very long to understand kind of what a great construction medium it is and just how scalable it is, both as a product and as an investment opportunity. You know, I actually been thinking about buying one of these for my ranch and burying it and then just having the opening so I can go in and out like a garage on the side of a hill for some uh, construction equipment. Yeah. One of the most common uh, inquiries we get are folks, both commercially and personally, um, that want to store or mount very expensive equipment in something that is air and water tight and portable. Yeah. So containers lend themselves to that quite naturally. Well, a lot of preppers, too, quite frankly. Well, there are there are some of those. <laughs> you're, you're not serving that market, though, right? I mean, you're. I mean, when I sit here, I looked on your site, and it was just absolutely gorgeous, by the way. And and some of the stuff that you're designing is just, it's just, it's hip, it's cool, it's it's chic, it's all those things. But you're not really serving that market. What's the market you're really trying to serve? Um, typically, what we're looking to do is to do some uh, commercial projects, and we're looking to do mid-rise structures where our combination of uh, strength and speed and pricing seems to give our clients uh, great value propositions 
There, there are a number of groups looking for small homes, tiny homes, uh, kind of structures off the grid. We're happy to work with anybody who wants to use uh, our building method. Primarily, though, we're looking to do projects of size and scale, and we're looking to deploy an engineered building system that is premised upon the repurposing of heavy gauge shipping containers. So let's describe visually to the audience what some of your projects that you've recently done and what they look like. Oh, I, you know, a picture paints a thousand words. I'm not sure I could do some of the buildings justice. Our mm-hmm. website, uh, sgblocks.com, has a gallery with lots of images. Things we're, we're in design on now would be a school building, an educational facility going in uh, Los Angeles. I believe a couple of weeks ago there was a press release with a rendering of that uh, building, which was mm-hmm. quite quite outstanding. And we have uh, just a number of projects uh, that we're either designing or building, and each project has its unique elements. And every time we work with a new client or customer or developer, they always teach us something, uh, and we hopefully we're, we're teaching them best practices in the use of containers as construction mediums. So how many of these are out there, right? So let's talk about just the container market at all. You're not in that space. You're just taking the existing containers and then turning them in. Is that, do I have that right? Uh, Yes. We're not, we're not in the container market. We have a partner um, from our inception, Kong Global Industries. Mm -hmm. Kong Global is uh, the largest uh, manager of containers in the United States by a large margin. They have 15 excellent service locations across the U.S. and Conglobal and SG Blocks partner for construction. So we work with Conglobal on both acquiring and procuring containers, uh, of which they have anywhere from 175,000-ish at any given time. And then we work with their excellent technicians and welders and uh, modifying these boxes uh, and helping to transform them from intermodal units of transportation into intermodal units of construction. Well, that sounds like a mouthful right there in itself. But w- so when so, give me an idea. I want to do something with it. What's the basic unit cost? And then what? I got to imagine there's a plethora of different choices that I can do. And there's also a lot of different ways you can you can you know put a butt in, make it really long, make it a T shape, make it uh, three 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 up, two down, one one off to the side. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with it. It's kind of like taking Lincoln logs, or in this case, blocks, right? Container blocks, and just pushing them together and figuring it out. So, what's the cost normally run? Um, you know, it really depends. You just described it nicely. It's a building system, and much of the cost of the building gets deployed inside it, just like yeah. Lincoln Logs and Legos. It's depending on your finishes. What what we found, based upon our material and doing this through a modular process where you're doing it in a controlled environment, in a cost-controlled environment, and then shipping and stacking containers just as they were originally engineered, we find ourselves delivering our projects 10 to 20% less expensive into urban markets, and we're we're finding ourselves consistently having the time projects are delivered to market. Yeah, so I'm going to get into the time in a second. But So what's a basic container cost? If I was going to go, I, I should have Googled this, Mitch. We should have oh, done no this. Oh, no problem. Yeah, what, what's, a, what's a basic uh, container cost me if I go and buy oh, one? It, it could run anywhere from $1,600 um, from a small uh, yard guy to a new container, which is a one trip from China, which would be mm-hmm. $5,200, $5,300 ish at any given time 
and it's a commodity and that it's age in service and it's condition in fleet and uh, the size of it, either 20, 40, 45 foot, um, those all influence the decisions. What we do is we're taking containers that for the most part have had a useful life in the economy mm -hmm. and we're using those for construction using really um, thoughtful engineering and employing best practices in sustainability in that our structures are obviously using a really small carbon footprint because as a form of modular construction, we think we don't have any peers in that you already start with the module on day one. And so it's already used its energy and its raw materials and it's had a life and economy. And then we're taking it and using technology and ingenuity, we're using it for what we believe is a higher and better purpose and certainly a longer lasting purpose. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, there's a lot of cool. Let me come back to it because I want to, I want to tell you why people are buying from you, but I first of all, I thought they'd be a lot more expensive than that. So like fifteen hundred bucks for you know fairly new one, um, but we'll get into that in just a second. Let me take a quick break because I got to make some money. I got to make some money so I can go buy one of these. I want to buy one. We got to buy one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. I think. I just don't tell my wife. Okay, it, it, you know it takes hard work, sweat, and tears. We're talking about that right now about making money, about taking something uh, that has had its life and reliving. So, but it takes that to be able to be a successful entrepreneur. But that doesn't mean we can't have some uh, help along the way. I get my energy, as you guys know. Every single day, double shot of Dunkin' Espresso every freaking morning. It helps me take on the challenges of running my own business. And, man, it's a big day today. I got in the office at 6 a.m. this morning because I was raring to go. I, I woke up. I was so excited. I couldn't get back to sleep because I got so much going on. So it's exciting. So so when you're whether you're an entrepreneur, uh, a CEO, a CFO, CMO, I don't care who you are, Dunkin' is there for you in America and all business with Jeffrey Hazlett run on Dunkin'. Hey, Paul, are you, are you a coffee drinker? Oh, yes, I am. Yeah, you got to be. I mean, you're in the Heights, man. You're over here in Brooklyn. So, yeah, uh, yeah. do you drink? Do you ever drink Dunkin'? Oh, sure. Oh, cool. Yeah, good. Good. Whew. There was a, there was a close one there. You could have said the <laughs> you, you could have said the four bucks guys, and I would have gotten in trouble. No, not really. But so when I when I think about the cost, I I actually thought it was going to be a lot more expensive. So are you think people are buying you because you're sustainable? Because you got a cool design, or are they buying you uh, because it's just cool? You, you know, I think one of the things that SG Blocks has always uh, endeavored to do, and and we've achieved, is we've wanted to create in some alternatives for consumers in the marketplace and for commercial people um, as well that offers you economic benefit for doing something that's also sustainable. So mm -hmm. people that come to SG Blocks are first and foremost doing something that's financially beneficial for themselves. We're, we're going to be price competitive across the three components, how much, it's, how much it costs to build, how long it takes to build it, and how quickly you generate revenue from it. And when you put those factors together, we are, we're a compelling construction story using a recycled material. And I think um, now that there are value propositions that exceed that of traditional construction in major markets, um, we think that the sustainability element is becoming uh, something that's an additional benefit. But for our consumers, they want heavy gauge, heavy gauge steel buildings. They want them in half the time, and they want high quality product. And everything else is um, gravy. 
Well, and we're talking mostly about the the residential side of this, and I know there's a commercial side. I don't want to get into that, but I, again, I'm going to go back to: uh, Are all of these containers roughly the same size? Uh, the containers are eight by twenty, eight by forty. Uh, traditionally, mm-hmm. those are the ones uh, most normally used for construction. And so roughly four hundred square feet. Uh, yeah, give, give or take, yeah. Yeah, three twenty square foot is for the forty footer, which is the most common use for construction. Right, three twenty, got it. So you put two of those together, you got you got six forty, right? Because you got to stack yeah. one or make it an L shape, and now you got a little patio out front, something like that. That's what I'd kind of do. Yeah. Um, or you can add another module, and now you get, now you're another, you know, nine hundred so thousand square feet, which is pretty cool, man. And yeah. all for for fifteen grand, fifteen grand roughly. For that's the hard cost. And then you got your finishing and everything else. Yeah. So, yeah, wow. So I got to imagine, I got a buddy of mine who did the Airbnb and he lives in Santa Monica and he turned his carport into an apartment, which cost him a pretty penny. And he's making about um, 80 to 100,000 a year off of that little carport. I got to imagine something like this, you stick out. This is like, a, I w- you know, I've had the CEO of KOA and I love the KOA guys. This is like, you could be a modern version of KOA. You know, we... Um... On, on March 29th of this year, SG Blocks completed a two-year process with the International Codes Council, who writes the International Building Councils for the, for the construction industry globally. And SG Blocks and our engineers became the first company in history to get a recycled material approved as a construction material. Hmm. And so our, our number is 3764. And since that date, SG Blocks is now, when we present our containers, they're underwritten and perceived the same as a brick or a piece of wood. So with any new technology that's looking to disrupt the status quo, and in this interest, we're disrupting a 100-pound gorilla in traditional construction, one of the major steps is technical mainstreaming. And we achieved that this year, and it's a testament to the the, just the hard work and the the wisdom of our engineering team and our consultants um, to get this seminal event done. For sustainability, it's also a milestone in that it's a recycled material approved as a building material. And if we're going to get and make progress in the area of sustainability, the reuse of products in an intelligent way um, with de minimis use of energy has to be something we consider. Are you So, Paul, are you, are you building them there or somewhere and then shipping them almost finished? Yeah. There's yeah. Uh, one of two ways we deliver them. One we call green steel, which is a trademark phrase, and that's just the modified boxes reinforced where required by structural cuts. And those are delivered and erected on site. And a contractor that we engage or is known to the client will come in and finish that um, once the structure is erected. And the second method is that we'll deliver those modules closer to 95, 97% complete. Mm -hmm. And then we'll erect a more finished structure. And then the work on site has to do with uh, uh, buttoning up maintenance lines and attaching utilities to the base building and just all those normal things folks do. Yeah, when they anchor, Anchoring it to the ground so it doesn't – I mean, it's not going to blow away, but it's I mean, still a movable anchor object. Anchor to the so. ground, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, but to me, it sounds like probably – it's almost like a modular home to some extent. We deliver fully modularized solutions, and yeah. we do them both on the single-family basis. Um, most of our – 
activity and pipeline seems to be centering around multi-story solutions for either education, or residential, hospitality, uh, student housing, um, kind of the four to eight story, four to, four to 10 story market that is prevalent in a lot of urban America. And we feel that we bring a very compelling solution uh, to that product line. Can you go that high? Oh, yeah, the container stack nine high at sea without any lateral bracing. And those containers are under far more duress uh, with the forces at sea than they'll be in our building code. Um, Part of our process of going through the ICC review process was to produce um, proof and evidence that these containers, when properly applied, meet or exceed code. And our engineers um, are able to maximize the inherent structural benefits of the containers and so eight nine ten stories is achievable and still financially viable Um, we have our sweet spots in the six to eight story range um, but the containers themselves since they ship so efficiently even after modified and complete and since they still stack as intermodal units of transportation meaning they self-center and lock so quickly there's really an additional benefit yeah. With, the, with the container-based system, because you're actually starting with a module. It's steel, not wood. It ships flat, normal cost, and then it gets set and self-centered every 15, 20 minutes. What, why is it? Why is six-stage stories the kind of sweet spot? Um, you know, above that, engineering gets more complex. Building yeah. code gets more complex. You start yep. adding layers mm-hmm. of lateral bracing. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we know just from going through pricing exercises and following trends in pricing what our sweet spot is. Um, that's one of those, whether that's for student housing or hospitality or what have you. Um, we're working very hard every day to increase some great product offerings and, and further adaptation of, of a new technology, quite frankly, that we're hoping uh, really starts to take off now that we have been mainstreamed by the International Codes Council. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, and people don't think about this, but like in you know six to eight stories, uh, six to eight high, yeah. In New York, no big deal, right? It's like a little tiny building. It's a wee building. And in South Dakota, you'd be one of the bit tallest buildings in South Dakota, where I'm from. Yeah. And so, and I, you know, I don't even know if we have a a, a ladder on the fire truck that goes that high. I don't. <laughs> I I actually don't think we have one. I think there was a, there was a fire one time at the downtown Holiday Inn, which is nine stories tall. And I think the people had to go down a floor to get on the ladder to get out. So I, I'm pretty sure that happened. So well, I can. I, assure you the fire department always gets uh, a final say as to what gets built so we oh, always, yeah. always want to please the fire department well you do and you want to because they're, t- they're looking out after you which is good so i well, cool i you know i'm just intrigued by this i just think this is a pretty cool deal are you mostly finding millennials or young people more leaning this way than say some of the more traditional you know older guys yeah that's a, a good insight Construction has sort of been very intergenerational, especially family-oriented businesses. And, you know, folks that have been building one way for 30, 40, 50 years, um, they're set in their ways. They're not very much interested in exploring new methods. Um, But the other generations in the room at at those meetings are quite intrigued uh, and and understand the benefit of building things in a controlled environment uh, where there's less... Uh, injury and less theft and and less uh, destruction of materials 
and less weather-related delays or building in really extreme temperatures. Um, the future of construction is going to largely uh, expand to include modular construction at a much greater level than it does now. And uh, people are following it very closely, um, both investors and both consumers of the product. And it's an exciting time. You know, I got to think, I'm just sitting here thinking about my, my in-laws go down to Arizona every year for um, their their winter home, and they all live in what they call a, a condominium, you know, which means they're all in these mobile homes that they've actually anchored to the ground, built on the ground. To me, it would be kind of interesting to go in and, and have a beautiful design uh, park that would be made up of this. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. That would be around a lot longer than those with a lot less maintenance than most of those have. That's it. That's interesting. And um, we've spoken with a couple of uh, park owners and some of the things they've expressed, you've just expressed, and also the ability to expand them in place so that if a new family comes in or a new family composition comes in, you could add a container vertically yeah. or horizontally. You can kind of uh, plan your densification these things are certainly very durable. Yeah, at retail, you had a strip of retail with it real quick. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of kind of cool things. All right, let me take another break, and then I'm going to come back, and I want to talk about the business side, the business of business, and that's uh, I want to find out who's who who in the business is buying these things and why. So, uh, hey, listen, folks, speaking of business, have you ever thought about a franchise? Hey, you could buy one of these and put a franchise in it. How about this one? Liberty Tax. Uh, you should give them a call. Liberty Tax Service. They have over 20 years in the business of taxes and financing, uh, franchising. They've just been absolutely wonderful people to work with. I just got to talking to their CMO again today. Uh, wonderful lady uh, and wonderful professional. So they can help you become your own boss and show you why taxes make a great business. Trust me, with Trump, taxes are going to be in your future. So not a bad thing to be able to check out. So check them out at libertytaxfranchise.com. All right. So Paul, I, you've got some pretty, when I went on the website, I, I saw some pretty big Lacoste, uh, let's see, Starbucks, Taco Bell. I saw Mini, I think it was Mini was there. Mm -hmm. So uh, why are these like traditional brick and mortar groups coming to you and 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 then what are they? What are they? Why are they coming to you versus just going to existing structures? Um, well, I won't speak for anyone in particular. Uh, when retailers and some of the big names you've mentioned and others we speak with, they're looking to just change their approach to certain segments of the market. A lot of a lot of businesses are target targeting millennials, and we have a medium that speaks to them. They're our first generation properly educated on sustainability, and they exercise that power when they make uh, consumer decisions. So, you know, when we built for Lacoste, the, that went out to Coachella when we built a really super innovative. Uh, that, by the way, that makes sense. I was going to say Burning Man, Coachella. Sure. That, that, it, it sounds like you should just wheel these babies in, drop them in by helicopter, and you're ready to go. Yeah. And so when you think about some of the problems facing brick and mortar stores now, it's kind of the weight of their balance sheets and their assets. And we can create mobile sales platforms so you don't always have to be waiting for your clientele to find you. You can follow them and take leasing spaces or go to events or go south with the snowbirds in the winter or, you know, there's a, a, a normal demographic travel pattern where your clients go typically. So our structures um, can be rebranded even within a family of companies. They can be reused in any one of a number of ways and they're... Um, most brands, 
have sustainability offices and marketing offices. And I yeah. think we're a product everybody can get behind because um, when you're talking about events and you're talking about conferences, there's so much waste at the end of those getting thrown out in the garbage. And we're the kind of product you could take to uh, multiple events several times a year across brands with touching them up. And that's the kind of actually repurposing our product um, beyond what's already repurposed. Yeah, but I could do that with a mobile home, too. But the difference is I'm taking something that's probably had a useful life, as you said before, and turning it around. Is is the eco-friendly component of this the value for them? I mean, it makes them look sexy and gives them a story to tell, too. Is that part of it? Um, I think people in general would love to do something that's sustainably oriented or eco-intelligent mm -hmm. if they have um, a bargain to do it. And so I think people love the fact that they're green and that they're kind of uh, captures the imagination with their kind of block-like nature. At the end of the day, they're getting a better structure at an efficient price, much faster. And, it, and that's people's wallets uh, are a reflection of, of, their, of their consumer choices. And they're picking green things when they're viable. And we put ourselves in that position. So how did this come about? Did you, was it you that woke up? It was the other guys that woke up? What business were you in that you said, hey, this makes a lot of sense. Let's go get some containers and let's start building houses. I had spent um, over 20 years uh, running a charity I founded. Mm -hmm. uh, and that charity's purpose was housing the homeless, in particular mm -hmm. individuals and families with HIV and AIDS. Mm -hmm. And we were building both temporary and permanent housing, congregate and individual housing. And over decades of experiences, uh, I realized that traditional construction was as much an impediment to, to solving problems as they were creating their own version of problems. So, so, so I, would, I would tend to say that they are, it's a pain in the ass, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're being nice about it. You're using much more eloquent words than I. But it, to build a house, to build a structure, to have construction, for the most part, is a pain in the butt. Yeah. And uh, the longer something takes, the more expensive it gets, the more variables outside your control start to impact you. So what we set out to do was to create a building system that was very efficient, easy to monitor, easy to put together. You get in your market, you get off your personal guarantee, you get your return of your capital, and we're creating value for our customers. We're allowing them to scale their businesses, doing multiple sites at one time. And along the do we're, we're providing a means and methods for people to make sustainable choices and to get steel buildings in urban environments, which we think makes just a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you have to create the market for this, or is it being created by itself? So how much of this is you having to educate versus people coming to you? Oh, I think it's, um, it's much more circular than linear. There are some great minds in architecture and engineering that have been working with modules since the 70s. There have been people working with containers all over the world. Um, I think uh, we've spent a lot of hard work and time and effort in evangelizing the benefit of the technology. We've attracted some of the best brands in the world to use the technology. And so we consider ourselves contributors, but it's a, it's a great community of people trying uh, as entrepreneurs to provide the marketplace with sustainable alternatives um, at an efficient price so that there's a real true choice. And in construction, 
we provide a real opportunity for people to make a different choice and to save time and to save money and to get uh, a better alternative for the environment. You ever, you ever dwell on the paradox that you're using a product that primarily is not the most, it is efficient, don't get me wrong, the, the, the box itself, the containers itself, but we're talking about shipping stuff over water, shipping it around rather than a local community, and yet here you are making a sustainable product out of it. I, I think, that, to me, I think that's kind of an interesting story. Yeah, you know what, um, they're, first and foremost, they are robust they're, yeah. they're a heavy gauge core 10 steel. They're built for a very rugged maritime environment. And if there's one thought your audience could leave with, it's that they provide super secure structures, whether you're putting patients or students or consumers or guests inside them. So what was it like? So in the last couple minutes that we have left, what was it like to go public? Is this your first time? Uh, the company itself had completed a reverse merger in 2011, which mm -hmm. is sort of done a little bit more anonymous than the IPO process, yep. um, which we did with Jay Gunner, um, an excellent bank down in lower Manhattan. And so we did a roadshow that included, um, part of Europe talking to some sustainability funds and we hit the East coast and, uh, some Texas, Chicago, uh, Atlanta, and then we hit out to California and we had a, a busy month meeting some really smart investors and uh, a lot of really good entrepreneurs who uh, had some visions for the product and the company um, that are very aspirational, just like the ones we have for ourselves. Mm -hmm. What in, in that roadshow is like the hell tour too, isn't it? You know what? It was uh, <laughs> nice to have the Irish perseverance gene. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> it is. I, people don't know. It's. It's for those who've had to do it. It's. It's relentless. You're every day up early to bed late, working the phones twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, day after day after day. It is not an easy, easy process. And you. And quite frankly. Uh, some very big, I would call them sphincter moments where you don't know if it's really going to work and are they going to buy and where is it going to end up? And you, you could talk about it's, it's millions of dollars can, or in some cases for some companies, bigger companies, uh, billions swing one way or the other and fortunes are made and lost. Well, I can tell you it's not for the faint of heart, um, but you have to love what you're doing. You have to believe in your team and believe in the product that you guys are representing. And at SG Blocks, it's very natural for us. We, um, we're respectful of our investors, we are respectful of our technology, and we, we see ourselves at the forefront of uh, an American wave of modular construction. Yeah. Well, what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs hoping to one day list on NASDAQ? Believe in yourself. Um, there's, yeah. Someone is going to do it, and so why can't it be, why can't it be you? It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's a matter of being hardworking and diligent and um, at times treading water until your break arrives and then it's tr just trying to capitalize on opportunities as they present themselves. Um, it takes a lot of humility uh, to be an entrepreneur. There's many stops, many more stops than starts. And if you uh, are of the faint of heart, do something else for a living. It's for folks that um, believe in themselves and, and believe in like-minded people that collectively can make an idea like taking a heavy gauge shipping container and turning it into a hotel or a coffee hut. 
Oh, fantastic. Well, Paul, I got to wish you the very best of luck. I think what you're doing is awesome. And um, I just think it's ingenious and it's just a wonderful to see somebody come up with a different idea and, and turn it into something, you know, turn it into something great. And that's just fantastic. So thanks for being with us right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Thank you. I appreciated being here. It was a nice uh, conversation. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. I tell you, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. I'll tell you what I learned. You know, you don't know everything, right? Who would have thought of taking containers? Never once in a while, yeah, have. I thought about, hey, I want one of these. I'm going to dig a hole into the side of the hill back in my place in South Dakota, and I'm going to put my tractor inside of the thing. I'm going to cover it up with dirt so my wife can't see it, and nobody else can see it. When if they are, I could drive over it, everything. I've been thinking about that. But here's a guy who said, I can do more with it. I can turn them into houses. I can turn them into uh, pop or franchise pop-ups. I can turn them into mobile showrooms. And I thought, wow, and the guy took the company public. How cool is that? It's not been easy. They've had some tough struggles. You can read about some of their history. But let me tell you, they did some really good things to get where they're at today. It's going to be interesting to watch what they do in the next 10 years. And uh, who's buying this stuff? I got it. I bet. It's going to be, you're going to see a lot more of these in your future. I don't think you're going to see as many mobile homes as you will see these kinds of structures because, you know, it's just cool. It's cool. You don't have to wait for something new. Take something old, turn it into something new. Someone's junk, someone's treasure. That's what we learn right here on All Business. And I'll tell you another thing you can learn right here on All Business, how to help your friends by passing this on to somebody else. I'd appreciate it if you would pass it on. And don't forget, go on and rate us in you know iTunes and everywhere else you want to. But come and listen to us right here, All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. Welcome to C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.